0: I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Sandra. And I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care workshop The Benefits of Clinical Trials for Triple Negative Breast Cancer. Um, This is a very important topic. It's one that probably isn't discussed enough, and so we wanted to have a whole program devoted to this topic. And I really want to thank the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation for actually really suggesting this as a very important topic, that one that really comes up so much. Now Today's program is a collaborative effort. Of course, so with the Columbia Breast Cancer Foundation. And there are other organizations as well that have helped to make this program, to to, to tell you about the program itself today. Um, and because of all of that, we have, and your interest in the program today, um, we have um, over um, 458 participants on the call today, and you come from all over the United States. And we also have international participants from Belgium, Canada, France, India. Philippines, Taiwan, and Venezuela. So it's a bit of a global call as well, and there's great interest in this topic. And today's program is supported by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. I really want to thank Sam and particularly Haley Dinneman, um, and she'll speak later, um, just for really making this possible today. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, and I want to begin by introducing our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Edith Mitchell. Dr. Mitchell is Clinical Professor of Medicine and Medical Oncology, Department of Medical Oncology. She's Director, Center to Eliminate Cancer Disparities, Associate Director, Diversity Affairs, Sidney Kimmel Cancer Center at Jefferson, and 116th President, National Medical Association. And Dr. Mitchell is going to address what are clinical trials, why clinical trials are important as a treatment option for triple negative breast cancer, and the meaning of informed consent. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Mitchell.
2: Thank you very much, and thank you, Dr. Messner, for inviting me to be a part of this illustrious panel. It is my privilege uh, to be on a panel with uh, all of the um, great speakers and great individuals who have contributed to uh, the better treatment of patients with triple-negative breast cancer over the years. So I'm going to talk about clinical trials, and it's really important that we understand clinical trials and not be afraid of them. Certainly, um, there have been clinical trials over the years, And all of these trials have allowed us to determine the effectiveness of therapies and to determine the best patients uh, for treatment. So what is a clinical trial? Uh, A clinical trial is a method utilizing uh, human uh, participants who agree to participate in a trial Um, to answer questions about uh, the procedure, uh, whether it is successful or not successful, and to determine the effectiveness and safety of um, the investigation. So these investigations could cover vaccines, drugs, uh, dietary choices, dietary supplements, medications, um, devices, as well as medical procedures. Most of the medications, including those that are in our um, medicine cabinets, have all gone through some evaluation to de- determine the effectiveness and the safety. Uh, depending on the results of clinical trials, There may be new treatments available. There may be uh, new devices or even new procedures available for patients. And this is especially true for triple negative breast cancer. Now, what do we mean by triple negative breast cancer? The elucidation of the estrogen receptor in the treatment of uh, patients really opened a number of doors for treatment of breast cancer, as well as other tumors. Uh, first of all, there are three receptors that we measure on the tissue of a breast cancer. The estrogen receptor, the progesterone receptor, and the HER2, um, the her 2 new receptor. With the information from these medications, or from these receptors, we have evolved into an era of precision medicine, and by precision medicine, we want to choose the right drug for the right patient at the right time and for For breast cancer, what that means is if the estrogen receptor is positive, then medications that alter uh, the growth and proliferation of tumors based on estrogen uh, can be utilized. The same is true for the progesterone receptor and the her 2 nu receptor. You may have heard of some of uh, the drugs, such as trastuzumab, uh, for treatment of breast cancer. For triple negative breast cancer, all three receptors are negative, negative. And thus, the medications that we usually use for treating breast cancer cannot be utilized because of their ineffectiveness. They do not work. So therefore, uh, developing new uh, drugs for triple negative breast cancer, finding new receptors for triple negative breast cancer, all are very important and thus uh, clinical trials. For the effectiveness of clinical trials, uh, we are now investigating a number of drugs, and a number of drugs and procedures have already uh, demonstrated effectiveness. And what do I mean about the clinical trials? Well, triple negative breast cancer uh, has no, uh, no no information are no presence of the three receptors. Therefore, very important to find these new drugs that may be effective. Many individuals think that triple negative breast cancer, um, therefore, there's nothing we can do about it. That is totally wrong. With clinical trials, we are now finding new receptors through the clinical trials and procedures On the tumor, uh, we have found that there are other receptors that are undergoing investigation. Uh, We have found new medications as well as some old medications uh, that we had not uh, really utilized effectively in treating triple negative breast cancer we are finding that with these new procedures, with the new drugs, with the old drugs, utilizing clinical trials uh, has allowed for effective and very good treatment for triple negative breast cancer. Thus, participation in clinical trials very important. Now, many individuals think that uh, clinical trials are um, guinea pigs, guinea pig testing. This is absolutely false, and we should not even discuss that. With clinical trials, uh, there have been procedures developed that are standard throughout the United States, as well as in some foreign countries. Uh, A process, that process involves safety, making sure that the trial uh, covers patients, takes care of patients, making sure that patients understand and have all of the answers that they need for treatment uh, answered. Uh, All of the clinical trials go through an IRB process where uh, non-involved individuals uh, with the treatment evaluate the safety, evaluate what is known about the treatment, and what the questions to be answered by the clinical trial. Thus, all of the new drugs that are coming into uh, and before markets, uh, before FDA approval, are tested. Patient safety is number one on the list of things, uh, and that works right along with how effective are these drugs. So where can you get a clinical trial? Where do you uh, look for information? First thing is to ask your doctor or uh, other members of the clinical staff uh, taking care of the patient. It's also important to have another individual with you so that you've got more ears listening to the information And you should ask more information in writing uh, so that you understand. You can take it home and read it. You can read it with others. And you can uh, also obtain a second opinion uh, from another practitioner to go over this. Now, with all of this information, what we have shown is that over the last few years, there has been improved treatment of triple negative breast cancer, Patients are living longer with triple negative breast cancer, and we have uh, new procedures that we can do on the tumor or on the blood of the patient that might allow for a better selection of therapy for that patient. So with the clinical trials, one should always, number one, find out as much information as possible, number two, ask questions. Number three, go to another uh, clinical group or second opinion if you need it, Uh, but understand that participation in clinical trials allows for patients with triple negative breast cancer to obtain the latest in treatment, uh, the latest in uh, evaluation and testing of tumor, and the latest in processes that are likely to give the patient greater benefit. So investigate about clinical trials. You can find some information on clinicaltrials.gov, but I caution patients to try not um, and go to the Internet for information blindly. Work with your clinical team and your treatment team to find what might be the best clinical trial for you. And with that, I will give you now back to Dr. Messner.
1: Oh, Thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell. That was really outstanding and so informative. Thank you so much and really set the stage for today's program. And our next speaker is Dr. Preeti Sutindra. And Dr. Sutindra is going to address new research in the treatment of triple-negative breast cancer, or TNBC, investigational new drugs and clinical trials, and specific questions to ask your healthcare team about clinical trials for triple-negative breast cancer. It's now my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Sutendra.
3: Thank you, Carolyn, and thank you for having me on this really important topic for a conversation. Uh, thank you to Dr. Mitchell for explaining to everyone uh, what exactly a triple-negative breast cancer is. Uh, So, as Dr. Mitchell explained, uh, when we have uh, certain growth signals on breast cancer cells, such as the estrogen and progesterone receptor uh, or the HER2 receptor, we tailor our therapy to target those growth signals. Um, There is a lot of work being done uh, in terms of research as to looking at whether there are different uh, types of triple negative breast cancer. So not all triple negative breast cancers um, behave the same. Not all of them are uh, sensitive or, uh, to certain medications. So one of the really big areas of research is looking at these different categories of triple negative breast cancers. Um, one of them that I wanted to uh, focus on was the BRCA-mutated triple-negative breast cancer. Um, so uh, even though only 15 to 20% of all breast cancers are triple-negative, um, in those women who carry um, a BRCA1 mutation, uh, they are much more likely to develop a triple-negative breast cancer. In contrast, women who carry a BRCA2 mutation tend to develop hormone receptor or estrogen receptor-positive breast cancers. Uh, one very important um, finding and drug approval from this year uh, was a medication called Laparib or Linparza that was improved in January by the FDA for women with advanced um, breast cancers uh, with BRCA2, uh, I'm sorry, with BRCA1 or two mutations, um, and although <clears throat> um, it's not exclusively a treatment uh, for patients with triple negative breast cancer, in that group of women who carry a BRCA mutation and have triple negative breast cancer. Um, this new medication is the first targeted therapy. Um, it had uh, improved results when it was compared to traditional chemotherapy and also less side effects. Some other medications that are currently in the clinical trial process uh, are is immunotherapy. Uh, which has been uh, fairly recent uh, in drug development and is used in other cancer types. Um, Again, going back to looking at the different categories of triple negative breast cancer, there are some types that tend to have more immune cells and tend to be more sensitive to these immunotherapy uh, medications. Another type of triple negative breast cancer um, is one that has actually a different type of hormone receptor, something called an androgen receptor, uh, which is commonly associated with prostate cancer. So there are also trials uh, being done looking at the androgen receptor subgroup of triple negative breast cancer. Uh, and targeting that as a growth pathway uh, for those cancers. Um, So we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, drug development and new drugs under investigation in clinical trials. Uh, And I also just wanted to uh, mention that not all clinical trials are what we call therapeutic trials. So um, certainly many of them are focused on, Uh, new medications that can advance the field and help patients. But there are also a lot of trials that are not therapeutic. Uh, For example, um, the trials done with just taking tumor specimens and trying to figure out these different categories of triple negative breast cancer, of trying to look inside the cells and figure out their growth pathways Um, are are another type of clinical trial uh, that may be done. I would encourage everybody to ask your physician if there are any clinical trials you are eligible for. Um, There are websites that uh, you can go to that we'll be mentioning later on uh, that have, uh, you know, uh, search criteria that you can look through to find a trial that, Uh, may be appropriate for you uh, and in the geographic area uh, that you're willing to travel to. Um, Other things that I encourage you to uh, patients to ask their physicians, Um, as Dr. Mitchell mentioned, I encourage everyone to please bring someone to all of your visits. Uh, There's so much information. Uh, It does get overwhelming and so many uh, things to sort through when we're making decisions. It's always helpful to have a second set of ears uh, with you uh, during your visits. So in addition to asking about any clinical trial eligibility uh, specifically for triple negative breast cancer, uh, I would ask your uh, clinician whether you are eligible for genetic testing, Uh, So many women with triple negative breast cancer are eligible for genetic testing. Um, For those who do end up uh, having a BRCA mutation, uh, I would encourage you to ask your uh, physician about uh, if you are at risk for other cancers and what can be done to lower your risk. Uh, For those women who are getting chemotherapy, uh, I would ask... uh, you know, the timing of chemo, should it be done before or after surgery, um, and if there are any other uh, options available. Thank you, Carolyn, uh, for this opportunity.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Sudhindra. And I just want to actually um, formally introduce Dr. Sudhindra to all of you. She's a hematologist oncology, she is medical director of quality improvement, Cooper University Healthcare. Cancer Genetics Program, Hematology and Medical Oncology, M.D. Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, Assistant Professor of Medicine, Cooper Medical School at Rowan University. So please you know, be, start preparing your questions because she really knows a lot of things that could be very helpful to all of you in terms of your, your questions that you may have. So thank you so much, Dr. Satinder. That was an outstanding presentation. And our next speaker is Dr. Roberto leon Frere. and Dr. Ferrer is Assistant Professor, Department of Oncology, Mayo Clinic and Dr. Frey is going to address how and where clinical trials are conducted, how to participate in clinical trials, including how to access resources for triple negative breast cancer clinical trials, and benefits and risks of participation. It's now my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Leon Frey.
4: Thank you, Caroline, and thank you uh, to to all the speakers on this call, and thank you for all the participants uh, for taking the time and joining in this important discussion. And I want to start by echoing what my uh, colleagues have mentioned before, that um, clinical trials are are hugely important in our journey to try to conquer this disease. And I think that um, I always like to go back and, and, and and. and educate myself a little bit about the history of cancer, and and just um, you know to highlight that there was a time where uh, we did not know such things as triple negative breast cancer or ER positive breast cancer or HER2 positive breast cancer the way that we understand it today. Uh, back in the early days of cancer, we only knew there was a tumor in the breast, and we only knew that uh, if the tumor was larger or if the tumor had reached the lymph nodes that that sometimes necessitated more intensive treatments but we did not have a good understanding of what was driving the growth of those tumors and because of that our treatments uh, evolved in a way that they were very uh, simplistic if you if you um, if you will uh, you know so you see a tumor you want to remove it and then uh, finding poisons that would kill the the cells that were uh replicating and that's how you know chemotherapy uh eventually was developed but then over the years thanks to clinical trials we started identifying factors that were feeding the tumors if you will and uh, we started learning how to um, uh, deprive the tumors from that from that essential field they needed to grow. And that's how we started identifying the estrogen receptor and then now blocking estrogen is such an effective treatment for patients that have that receptor. Same with HER2-positive breast cancer. So uh, triple negative breast cancer, as my colleagues mentioned, basically means that we don't uh, see those receptors that have been identified by previous research. And that's why I think it's uh, critically important that we continue to look for those potential um, Achilles heels that uh, triple-negative cancer may have so that we can uh, hopefully envision a day where chemotherapy is no longer necessary because we are developing more targeted and more precise treatments for patients with triple-negative breast cancer. So I'd just like to start with that and say that um, over the years, we've made a lot of incremental gains thanks to the participation of many generous patients uh, uh, on clinical trials and in my opinion um we cannot stop doing clinical trials until we can cure 100% of our patients um so um the treatments that are considered standard today are the results from participants uh, in clinical trials uh, in the days be- you know in the days before today and patients with breast cancer today uh, are treated based on what was learned from those patients that participated in those pre- uh, previous trials so um with that I I just wanted to um give a brief overview on how uh, and where clinical trials are conducted and um you know there's uh, as my colleagues have mentioned there's a variety of clinical trials that are designed to answer different questions and depending on what specifically the question may be uh, the degree of uh, uh involvement by the by the participant uh, also changes. But as a general rule, uh, clinical trials are usually conducted uh, both in academic medical centers or large uh, hospitals, and also small hospitals that have um, um, that, are, that have some some affiliation with a with a university or with um, with a, a scientific uh, group of people that help envision the ideas uh, to develop these clinical trials, and are also. Um, uh, conducted in the community in private practices or small practices that may not have that affiliation with a university but may sign on to studies that are developed by by uh, by other institutions uh, depending on the uh, on the type of study, some studies may be open only in one specific institution or uh, there may be open in many different uh, hospitals, many different clinics throughout the country or even internationally, depending on on the size of that study. Now, what's common to most studies is, uh, uh, particularly for studies that um, that uh, are investigating new treatments, usually if the patient is participating on that uh, particular trial, they need to receive the treatment usually within that center that has the, stu- the study open. Um, given that some of these investigational treatments are not used uh, routinely for breast cancer yet because they're being uh, you know, tested to see if they're efficacious. Those are not usually treatments that people can um receive uh uh you know in any cancer center or in the case of oral medications, those are not medications that can be just prescribed to a pharmacy and be picked up and, 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 and taken like other medications. You have to be under the oversight of the team that has uh that has expertise in in, in looking for potential side effects and looking for signs of efficacy uh for that particular medication. Now, having said that, as uh, Dr. Mitchell uh, had mentioned before, not all trials necessarily uh, are uh, investigating new medications, but there's also other trials that are investigating um, um, side effects of medications or quality of life measures uh, and and other uh, types of studies that may not require Uh, you know, specific visits to a cancer center. So there are studies that are as short as just providing a blood sample to identify uh, potential uh, biomarkers, or uh, studies that rely on questionnaires that can sometimes be done from a distance. So all of these opportunities are out there and and, and may not require a lot of involvement uh, in terms of physically going to a particular center. So just keep those things in mind because not all the trials are necessarily about medications um now uh, a trial usually is born out of uh an idea right uh, based on uh sometimes years and years of uh, investigation in laboratories or by uh by by scientists that um, um have a hypothesis that some some way of targeting cancer may be more effective than our current way of targeting cancer so usually once that idea is generated, then there will be a team of people that uh, will design a study uh, trying to answer a specific question. And they will develop the protocol of the study and are responsible for the general concept and the, and the specifics of how the study will be conducted. Uh, now, in addition to that, clinical trials are usually um, uh, you know, routinely reviewed by a group of uh, other um, uh, uh, team members that are not, part of that uh, clinical trial research team. And that's usually a team of people that is really focused on reviewing all the details of the trial to make sure that the trials are um, are trials that are truly going to help move the field forward and that uh, the patients are receiving, uh, you know, uh the best care that can be given uh, at that point and that by participating on the clinical trial uh, there's not going to be um a, you know a, a, an amount of risk to that patient that is um that is unreasonable uh, so that uh, team of people is independent and usually does not uh, respond to the investigator so it's just an extra layer of security to make sure that uh, you know all the studies are designed in a way that is you know ethical and that has our patients uh, in best interest uh, as the first as the first priority so how can you participate in clinical trials well as my colleagues have mentioned I think that um the best resource is always going to be your physician team uh they would have uh, the best understanding of your particular situation and and what kind of uh trials uh, may be an option for you and also they can uh, help guide you and uh, and decide whether uh the time the timing is right for a clinical trial there may be situations where treatments that we have available outside of a trial may be uh better than what's out there being investigated and or that uh, the situation you're in it does not really allow for um, for uh, participation in a trial at that particular moment. So I think that it's always good to um, to talk to your treatment team and make sure that they um, uh, provide uh, the input on whether you should be looking out for a clinical trial at that time, or or perhaps at a later point in your in, in your disease course. Um, if your particular team uh, recommends a clinical trial, uh, you know they would be the best resource in knowing what trials are available at that particular center. Uh, and if they don't have any clinical trials at that particular center, they probably would know what other institutions, um, you know, close in your geographic area may uh, may have trials uh, of interest for you. So it's always good to ask. And as my colleagues mentioned, there's other resources online. Uh, there's clinicaltrials.gov, and uh, I believe later um, you will be hearing about what Triple Negative Cancer Foundation offers for um, for um, helping you identify clinical trials. So those are resources that are a good starting point, but I would always uh, encourage you to discuss with your treatment team whether those clinical trials uh, may be a good option for you. Now, um, as a last point I uh wanted to address some of the potential benefits and risks of participation that that you need to keep keep in mind and some of the myths about clinical trials as well. As I mentioned uh you know obviously uh, um you know the speakers in this call we are all interested in moving the field forward and helping more and more patients with triple negative breast cancer so we of course are very um, we're, we're strong advocates for clinical trials as 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 you've heard today. Um, uh but there are some risks that I think that uh people need to be aware uh, of, and I think that one of the main um uh things that you have to keep in mind is that you may have to uh commit yourself to uh to more frequent visits to your treatment team uh you know if you're part of a clinical trial and even though I categorize that as a risk because um it does uh mean that you have to uh, potentially sacrifice a little more time uh to participate in this i think that um uh it is done for a good reason and it's to um you know most of the time is to ensure that uh the treatment is going as planned and that there's no unforeseen uh side effects or 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 issues arising that we were not expecting um, as many of these new treatments are are, are new and, and have not been used for a long period of time, there's an um, uh, unexpected side effect that we may not know about. And that's why uh, having a very intensive and and, and close monitoring of uh, several parameters is important. Um, now, in some uh, studies, uh, depending on, on the type of the study, there may be uh, two or more types of treatments that are being compared. And, um, uh, you know, one of the... Of the myths out there are that um, uh, all clinical trials involve a placebo, which is the word that uh, is used to describe uh, uh, a treatment that is not efficacious. You know, uh, something that uh, it's you know, if it's a pill, people usually call it a sugar pill, and uh, and some clinical trials do involve uh, medications of that nature, and. It's uh, really with the goal of really proving that another strategy compared to, you know, a new treatment compared to no treatment is better. But I would say that in in the vast majority of clinical trials designed today, the use of only a placebo versus um, a new treatment is almost something that we uh, don't see anymore because... Um, nowadays um, we have learned uh, so much about the treatment of of breast cancer that uh, all clinical trials would typically require that the comparison arm is um, uh, the patients that are on the control arm if you will uh, receive at the bare minimum what is considered the standard of care meaning the the most effective treatment that we know works for breast cancer and usually after the patient has received that uh that uh you know best treatment that we currently have then the patients will be randomly assigned to receive a new investigational treatment for which we have hopes uh we can improve uh the outcome of those patients versus a placebo for example or that placebo in combination with all the um, the 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 other routine treatment that is offered to that is offered to patients in a routine manner so um, having only received a placebo in a clinical trial is something that that we don't uh recommend uh these days um, so um you but you know there is a potential for uh for uh, inclusion of a placebo in some trials and you should ask whether there's a placebo involved or not and what are what are the 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 other medications that are given along with the placebo Um, now another risk is that in some studies uh, you know the the assignment to one of those uh, to the investigational treatment or the control treatment um, is something that is not under the control of your doctor or um, or or of your of your own control, uh, and the reason that is done is because we truly don 't know whether the investigational treatment is better than what we already have, so the only way to ensure that we can prove that something works uh in a more effective way than our current treatments is by having um you know half of our patients get The normal treatment and having half of the patients get the new drug. And if we can prove that the new drug is better, that's how the drugs get approved and go into the market. So that's one of the potential um, uh, perceived risks, but I think that um, the reality is that we would only design a clinical trial for which we, um, um, you know, think that there's a reasonable chance that Uh, that the uh, new drug is uh, at least as effective, if not better, than what we currently have. Um, So those are some of the main uh, risks, I would say, but as we have uh, discussed today, there's many other benefits, and the main benefit is that, um, you know, there are drugs uh, that are being evaluated that are potentially uh, very efficacious, that are just not available uh, outside of a study until we prove that they work in a a reasonable number of patients. Uh, You may also get access to a medication that has the same efficacy, uh, but perhaps uh, less side effects, uh, or even more efficacy and less side effects, like the Olaparib example that my colleague mentioned. Um, and uh, it can also be, um, uh, uh, it cannot be understated that you can also contribute to the future of breast cancer by, uh, by participating in clinical trials, as we have mentioned. Um, so, with that, I would uh, turn it back to Caroline. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Leon. That's a really excellent, really outstanding uh, presentation. Um, and, um, and our next speaker is Ms. Haley Dinerman. Uh, Ms. Dinerman is um, a lawyer by training, and she is actually the, um, she is the co-founder and executive director of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. And Ms. Dinerman is really responsible for today's program by really making it possible, and um, she's going to be talking about the um, free programs and services and conferences of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. So it's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, um, Ms. H- Ms. Dinnerman.
5: Thank you so much for that introduction, Dr. Messner, and uh, first I want to take a moment to thank our presenters um, and our partners at Cancer Care. Um, The the overview that we just received was was excellent. Um, It goes without saying that that TNBC-specific medical research is extremely important to our foundation. We support research at leading medical institutions, and we work hard to inform you about any new developments in the area, including clinical trials, of course. Um, We also have expert scientific bloggers at the major medical conferences, including at ASCO, AACR, and SABCS, um, and they are there to provide our community with insights and updates on new and emerging research and treatment options. So if you're interested in receiving these updates, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Today's teleconference is one of many programs we offer. All of our programming is specifically designed to address the needs of the TNBC community. Our numerous educational brochures and our fact sheets, which include information about the clinical trial process, are available in print or as free downloads from our website, so I will hope you'll use them to your benefit. Also, our website, uh, which is tnbcfoundation.org, offers a free TNBC-specific clinical trials matching service that we feel is less daunting than clinicaltrials.gov. Um, Additionally, we offer an online metastatic trial search, which is a clinical trial search engine designed for people with metastatic breast cancer. It allows you to easily search for trials specific to metastatic triple negative breast cancer. And in the past year, thousands of individuals took advantage of both these services. Um, Beyond that, the foundation will host a number of educational programs on clinical trials in 2019, so if you'd like to learn more, please connect with us on social media, by phone, or online at tnbcfoundation.org. This weekend in Philadelphia, we're partnering with Living Beyond Breast Cancer to bring you TNBC-specific programs and sessions um, at LBBC's Sharing Wisdom, Sharing Strength Conference. I know many of you who are listening on this call have already registered, and I look forward to connecting with you in person this weekend, but for those of you who haven't registered and would like to attend this incredible conference, you can register at the door, so please join us if you can. Details are on our website. Um, Again, that's tnbcfoundation.org. I know everyone is eager to uh, get on with the rest of the presentations and the Q&A, so I'll end here. Uh, Thank you all for joining us, and Dr. Messner, I'll turn the program back to you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, um, Ms. German. That was really um wonderful and wonderful work that you're doing. So thank you so much. We so appreciate it. Everyone benefits on this call from the work and, and the research that you support and everything else. Thank you. And our next presenter is and this will be us um but uh, is uh, is Mary Rose Mangelli, and Ms. Mangeli is an oncology social worker, she is our women's cancers program coordinator at Cancer Care, and she's also the coordinator of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation um helpline. And she will be discussing the helpline as well um, as uh, the services and programs of the triple negative breast cancer foundation. So I'm going to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Bongelli.
6: Thank you, Dr. Messner. I'm very happy to be a part of the program today. Today we have been talking a lot about the benefits of clinical trials for triple negative breast cancer, and I would like to take this opportunity to, take, um, to talk about triple negative breast cancer helpline in cancer care and how we can assist with finding and understanding the benefits of clinical trials. Triple Negative Benefit ca- uh, uh, Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care have partnered. Um, to ensure that those with triple negative uh, breast cancer access free psychosocial information, support services, and information about clinical trials, uh, Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, which is generally uh, generously funded by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, provides callers with access to comprehensive services including one-on-one counseling, um, in-person counseling offered in our New York City area, as well as telephone counseling nationally, um, TMBC-specific support groups, education, and reading material on TMBC and clinical trials and financial support. Clinical trials can test the benefits of new treatment for someone diagnosed with TNBC. Cl- clinical trials take place throughout the United States and, benef- and beyond, and their participants are volunteers. Many trials take place in large medical centers and hospitals and oftentimes in medical offices. There are three phases of a clinical trial that analyze different things, such as safety, how well a treatment works for certain types of cancer, and comparison on how well, how well the new treatment works versus the established approved treatment in some studies, possibly better than the current standard treatment. They also may... Evaluate a new method of preventing cancer, diagnosing cancer, or improving a patient's quality of life. Clinical trials offer the chance to try new treatments not otherwise available and potentially benefit from them. Additionally, you can contribute to the research and help others. Almost all medical advances related to the prevention and treatment of cancer are a result of clinical trials. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation has clinical uh, trial matching services that can um, make your search for immunotherapy trials faster and easier. You can speak to a trained clinical trials navigator at um, emergingmed.com or at 877-769-4827. We... um, we have really learned a lot today um, from this program, and there is a lot of information to digest. Our social workers can help you understand the benefits of clinical trials, as well as what it means for you and your loved ones. Should you have any questions about today's workshop or about our services, please don't hesitate to contact us. You are not alone. Cancer Care's services are here to help. Thank you for your attention and the opportunity to speak. And I'd like to turn this over to Dr. Mesner.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Ms. Menjohn. That was wonderful. And lots of good resources for everybody to call. If you use that helpline, it's a wonderful service for all of you. And now we have time for questions. We actually have a lot of time for questions. And so I'm going to have um, Sandra explain to you how to queue up for questions. And Sandra, if you would go ahead and explain to people how to queue up for questions. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then 1 on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit a question by clicking Ask a Question. And our first question comes from the line of Lisa V. Your line is now open. Lisa, if your line is on mute, please unmute it.
7: Right.
0: And our next question comes from the line of Marilyn D. Your line is now open. Okay. Um, okay, what I was wanting to know is
8: okay, um, I, I've had three surgeries. I've been on chemo. I've been on chemo pills. I'm on chemo uh, now, intravenous. And You know, the doctor was saying that uh, I might have to get a mastectomy. But then, you know, when when they told me about doing these rounds of chemo now that I'm on, I was like, well, why not just go ahead and do the mastectomy? I mean, I didn't want a mastectomy, but I'm like, okay, why not we just go ahead and do the mastectomy because I'm really tired of this chemo. But, you know, they said that it was in my... Um, high up in my breastbone and it's in the bone and oh, said that the mastectomy wouldn't fix the problem. So why why is that? Well,
1: thank you for that excellent question. I think that's a question that many people have. I'm going to ask if Dr. Sutendra could address your question in a general way that may help you and many other people on the call when um, surgery may not be a possibility and, and other uh, chemotherapy is offered. Um, Dr. Sutendra. i Let you address this question. Thank you.
3: Sure. Uh, Thanks for your question. Uh, And without knowing the the specifics about um, your cancer, it's hard for me to give an exact answer. Um, But in terms of the timing of uh, chemotherapy for those women who do require surgery, uh, the advantage of doing chemotherapy before surgery. Uh, Many times we can uh, make the surgery much easier. Uh, It can make it easier for the surgeon and increase the chances of getting the tumor out completely. Um, It also provides us a lot of useful information about someone's particular cancer and how sensitive it is to chemotherapy and based on what the response is and what the findings are at the time of surgery, um, it may open the door to other therapies that can be used after surgery.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And um, we have another question from one of our online participants, um, and this is for Dr. Sudhendra. Um, so she wanna, She um, the question is, just wanted to share that I was diagnosed with with triple-negative breast cancer and tested negative for genetic mutation. However, in 2018, I participated in a clinical trial, personalized polytopy DNA vaccine strategy following chemotherapy. This was through Washington University in St. Louis, and just wanted to share that information. And if you wanted to comment on that, Dr. Sudendra, in terms of it seeing a clinical trial and what it entails. Yeah.
3: Uh, thank you uh, for sharing that with us, uh, and for being a participant, uh, and again helping advance this field and helping uh, all of us, both physicians and patients, uh, you know, tackle this uh, this disease. Um, Washington University uh, is fantastic. They have a they have a broad range of clinical trials. Um, the one you got is uh, vaccine based. Um, And in terms of genetic testing, uh, the other point that I wanted to make, uh, there's a lot that has changed in genetic testing over the past several years. Um, From when uh, we started doing this testing, the only genes that we knew about that were uh, breast cancer-causing genes were the BRCA1 and 2 genes Uh, since that time and over the past couple years. Uh, that field has advanced greatly. So there are many, many more genes that we now know about uh, that are breast cancer-related that we can test for. So I do encourage anybody who had testing um, done before 2012 or 2013, um, or women who only had BRCA1 or 2 testing, uh, to speak to your oncologist or a genetic counselor about whether any expanded testing is appropriate for you.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And we have a telephone question,
0: Alessandra. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. And the question comes from Lisa V. Your line is now open.
7: Yes, hi. I am metastatic tri- uh, triple negative breast cancer. Um, actually, was diagnosed in 2015 with DCIS. It was found actually through a breast reduction through the pathology report. 22 months later, diagnosed now at stage four. That it um, actually metastasized the skin on the chest wall of the mastectomy site immediately following my mastectomy. I also have lupus SLE. Does that automatically? Um, disqualify me from any type of clinical trials. As of right now, um, you know, I did go see chemotherapy, mastectomy, radiation. I was on Zalota for six months. I did have a recent CT scan that shows no evidence of cancer at the moment. Um, What do they typically do from here? You know, is it just keep a close eye out? What is a typical protocol? And if clinical trials, you know, do, um, you know, are for me or not.
1: Oh, excellent. That's an excellent question, Lisa, and I think probably it's a question that many people on the call are struggle with as well. So I'm going to ask Dr. Sudhendra to address your question in a general way. I'll Obviously, the details with your back-to-treating healthcare team, that would be true for anyone who asked the question today. But Dr. Sudhendra, if you could just address this in a general way for everyone to benefit from this excellent question.
3: Sure, uh, and thank you for your great question. Um, so in terms of, you know, what comes next, I would defer that specific decision uh to your oncologist, but your question about um uh having lupus that should not be uh a contraindication or reason um that you shouldn't consider a clinical trial. There may be uh some trials uh dealing with medications that um, they may be concerned about increasing the risk of side effects um, in people with certain other uh, healthcare care conditions like lupus. Um, but as we mentioned, there are other trials um, with medications, vaccines, and uh, even blood tests that you may be eligible for.
1: Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, And we have another telephone question, I believe.
0: Yes. Our next question comes from Zivia S. Your line is open. Hi. Hello? Hello. Hi. Your question, please. Thank you. Yes.
7: Um, As of now, I think that they identified at least six six subtypes of triple negative breast cancer, and I was wondering why... um, Oncologists aren't um, just telling patients to go out there and get, you know, test genetic, not genetic, but testing of the tumor, for example, sending to their tumor to CARIS or Foundation One to get that tested to see um, how these patients um, are going to respond to chemotherapy. I know a lot of patients sometimes are not responding to the AC, you know, the typical standard treatment. There are patients that respond to AC, there are people that don't. There are patients that respond to taxol grade, there are people that grow on Taxil. So a lot of patients are just not getting that treatment.
1: Thank you. Excellent question. And um, so, Dr. Sutendra, could you address that again in a general way in terms of the need for this testing?
3: Yeah, thank you for your question, and you're absolutely right. Um, There are different types of triple negative breast cancer, and we are finding that uh, different subgroups respond in different ways. Um, The two uh, laboratory tests that you mentioned, Keras and Foundation One, um, are available, and we do often send those for women with uh, metastatic triple negative breast cancer um, partly to help tailor their treatment and also to help decide uh, and see if there are any clinical trials they are eligible for based on that subtyping. Um, as of right now, there are no uh, approved guidelines for tailoring therapy uh, based on subtype, um, but a lot of the clinical trials that are being done um the uh, the trial organization does look for that subtype, and they are trying to tailor treatments in that way. So I don't think that that is far off from being standard.
7: Thank
1: you. Well, I want to thank um, all of our participants. This has really been an amazing call. I want to thank the participants. First, I want to thank our speakers. First of all, they were they were extraordinary. I want to thank all of those who participated in today's call and asked such great questions. Now, I know that many of you have questions that have still that are still here and we haven't um, answered. So some of your questions, so I want to get to that right away because I want to be sure that you know that there's a place to get your questions answered. So I do recommend that you contact um, for those of you with remaining questions. Obviously, you want to speak to your treating healthcare team. That's most important. But I also want to recommend that you contact um, the Triple Negative breast Cancer um, Helpline, uh, 1-877-880-8622, and you'll be getting all that information. You'll be getting an evaluation of today's program, and you'll be able to put, you know, you'll, you'll get that, the evaluation, but you'll also get all the resources that we mentioned during the program as well as additional resources as well. So I definitely want to be sure that you have that resource to contact Um And for those of you um, also who um, – you can visit their website as well um, at www.tnbcfoundation.org backslash helplines. You can actually contact that. And, again, you'll get that information um, uh, from, um, again, in in the evaluations that you'll be getting. Most importantly, as we are about to conclude the program today, we wouldn't want any of you to feel you're alone. We want you to know that you're part of a community of support, which does include, of course, your own healthcare care team. And so many of your questions, when we did answer some of your questions, we do recommend that you still take that information back to treating healthcare care team, because they know you the best. And actually, we didn't discuss the concept of um, sometimes people do think about getting a second opinion, um, and particularly for um Um, uh, uh, something like triple negative breast cancer, sometimes that can be very helpful if you're feeling like I just need to get someone else to take a look at things. And some of you have alluded to that in your questions when you asked today. Um, um, I also want to mention to all of you that Cancer Care has just instituted a meditation app. So in the process of having triple negative breast cancer and dealing with it and coping with it, um, and we have another program coming up on this, um, many people obviously feel a bit stressed out um, and, and would like to have some kind of relaxation or meditation approach. So we do have a meditation app. It's on our website. You also will get information about that. And we do encourage you to take advantage of it. It's a kind of many people are finding it very helpful, very relaxing to kind of to be a part of that. Um, that doesn't take the place of your treatment. It just is a nice way for you to kind of deal with all the things that you're having to cope with. Um, and um, we do have another program coming up. Um, on October 23rd, on a Tuesday. It's called Coping with Metastatic Triple Negative Breast Cancer, and I would encourage all of you, some of you have already signed up for it, but if you haven't, to go ahead and sign up for it. Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all, and, um, and, uh, and you all take care. Thank you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your
3: participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.